Yo, so what's up, y'all? Welcome to a new episode of A One Sports Politics with your main man. Hey, first and foremost, I want to um, give a shout out and send my prayers out to Nipsey Hustle. Rest in peace, rest in power. Um, to his family and of course his fans. Uh, we're gonna miss you, Nip. Um, now on today's show, A One Sports Politics, we will be talking about the Elite Eight and who's advancing to the final four. March Madness has been, it was incredible. And also we'll talk more about Zion Williamson, his future. What's his next move? Will he be going to the Knicks? Will he be going to Phoenix? Will he even enter the NFL draft? Same with RJ Barrett, his teammate, his right-hand man. What will he be doing in the future? Oh, yeah, and I also got to talk about D-Lo, D-Lo, D'Angelo Russell, his recent comments about who was wrong and who was right. Now, stay tuned to A1 Sports Politics. Yay! Okay, now let's talk about some basketball, some college basketball at that, the Elite Eight. Now, Teams like Virginia and Texas Tech. Texas Tech, whose first time ever entering into the Final Four, will be advancing. And Virginia was going to be playing a winner out of Auburn and the University of Kentucky. And for Texas Tech, they were playing the winners out of Michigan State and Duke. Now, let's start off with this Auburn and Kentucky game. Arvin was the underdog coming into this game, and the underdog came out on top, 77-71. Now, I really enjoyed watching both of these teams play. Um, you can tell they was well coached as far as just, just by seeing the pace that they were playing with. Arvin, they, they wanted to get up the court. This dude, Gerald Harper, was just all over the place. They was, you know, more fast tempo. And for Kentucky to um, to see a team like that, you know, and they they do have, um, they don't have an all freshman squad. They have some dudes that came back, and you can you was able to tell like by they like they looked the various um, experienced, and they was able to control the pace at some point. Now, I'm just watching this game, and I'm just seeing these two young fellas go back and forth. They basically going at it, play different positions, but they was going at it. Arvin. Um, point guard Gerald Harper and Kentucky's um, PJ Washington Jr. was they was just going back and forth. It was just like they show. I said, okay, now is it, do we have a Harper versus Washington thing going on? And that's what it was looking like. Harper, who ended up with twenty six points, um, four rebounds, five assists, three steals, and two blocks. Now this little dude, I haven't seen this, like. I haven't seen a, a dude with his size play with that type of heart in a long time, just fearlessly going to the rack and just playing with everything that he had. And I I was a fan. I was a fan of watching that at the same time. And um, for P.J. Washington, he was he was pretty, came up pretty big. Um, he had 28 points, 13 rebounds, um, two steals, and two blocks. Now, this is a, this is a center... This is a center right here, probably about 
six nine somewhere in there. But if we talking about Gerald Harper, who's about five eight. These dudes have the same amount of blocks. They both had two blocks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that lets you know that this this little guy Gerald Harper was playing with everything he had, and he played big. And I'm gonna be looking forward to you know seeing what he gonna do for the rest of the tournament. Now, um, speaking of PJ Washington for Washington, uh, PJ Washington for Kentucky. Um, he had he had a pretty decent game, but at the end he became a liability at the free throw line. He was six for eleven and he shot fifty four percent. He was a little above sixty percent for the whole season. Now. This game, it didn't really get too much out of control. But at some point, Arvin just really made a run. Like, before halftime, they made a really decent run. Um, but Kentucky did a great job by hitting the three, going right in, like, a couple of seconds before halftime. So it was like they kind of, like, you know, pushed them off a little bit. But Arvin came back out with that same energy. And they snatched, they snatched that lead and didn't let go. For Kentucky, it was really tough for them to make baskets when it, it's time to. When they needed baskets at the, at the best, it was too, it was like late, and it really took a long time. Like I said, this team did. Um, they seemed like they knew what they wanted to do, and they was well experienced and patient at the same time. But when it was time to hit baskets, they couldn't. They couldn't hit the three. They couldn't close the gap. And hey, Arvin. They took off with it, and they deserved it. So they will be advancing to the Final Four to play Virginia. That's going to be a pretty good game. I'm going to be looking forward to that. Now for Kentucky going forward. John Calipari just received a really decent, forget decent, uh, basically Kentucky head coach John Calipari he was offered a six-year and $48 million contract from the UCLA Bruins. Me, myself, UCLA fan, I wish that would have happened. I wish he would have accepted that. But, um, obviously, John Calipari, uh, for the past week or so, he's basically saying that he don't want to leave the Wildcats. Like He want to retire as the head coach of Kentucky. And I understand that. Uh, we understand that because that's a pretty good program. And he basically he he's already a top a top paid coach as it is. And for him to be able to get the recruits that he get there, you know, it, it's real understandable why he's staying. Um, but supposedly Kentucky has a lifelong deal for Calipari. We don't know the numbers. We don't know exactly what it is, but we just know it's a lifelong 10-year deal. Don't know the numbers yet, but John Calipari is going to stay with Kentucky. So I'm sure they have some type of nice recruiting class going on because that's what he do. But unfortunately, John Calipari will not be in the Final Four. The number one team, Duke, going up against the number two team, Michigan State. Coach K going up against 
Coach Izzle. Now this this right here, this game was really, really different to me, like you know, than all the other games because of the last two names that I just mentioned. Coach K and Coach Izzle. Two future Hall of Fame college basketball coaches. Two of the best to ever coach college basketball going up against each other. So the coaching had to really it, it was really, really uh, wide open to us because just because of how great these two coaches is and just trying to, you know, see how they make adjustments and what basically what makes them great throughout the game. Now, this game right here is a pretty close game. Um, of course, Duke was the favorite by two points. But you notice Duke has been the favorite by like more than five points lately for the most part, like throughout the season. And it was only favorite two points so it's like okay all these close games is happening Duke barely winning by one points and stuff like two points and all that type of stuff so I guess that's why and Michigan State is not a rollover team it's a pretty good team and coached by a really great coach so it, you know I, I just know it's going to be a very interesting game now um, I really feel like in a way, on the first play of the game, I really didn't know what was going on. Like, on the first play, I think when Duke turned the ball over and Michigan State went down it and returned it for a dunk. Now, that right there was the first mistake. And after that, it just seemed like Duke couldn't really get their rhythm. Like, for one, a turnover on the first play and giving the team momentum, they finishing with a dunk. That's not a good place to be in. And it started with that first very play. Now, from that point on, it just looked like Duke couldn't get in a zone um, offensively. They looked they, they looked confused. They didn't look like they had the game plan. I don't know what the game plan was. Zion was really aggressive in the beginning, like he's always aggressive. And he had a really decent game. He had... 24 points for 14 rebounds, two assists, three steals, and three blocks. Now that was that was pretty cool. Um, but let's just skip all the way to the last possession that Duke had with the basketball. Now we all know R.J. Barrett is a really good player. Don't get me wrong; he's a really really good player. But it was just for some reason I had to wait and see what he'll do in the last five minutes of the game. I understand that he made the game winner not too long ago, but it's just in that whole stretch. I wanted to see how he was gonna, you know, how he was gonna show up. Uh, we all know Trey Jones; he's just a really good defender. That's what he does; he defend. Um, so it, it's the ball really isn't in his hands during crucial moments. Um, it's either R.J. or it's Zion Williams. Now, on that last possession, um, I, like it's really, in a way, it's predictable that I predicted that he was going to drive all the way with his left, RJ, and that's what he did. Um, he was able to go. He, he got fouled, though. That's that's a good. That was a good part. He got fouled. But going to the line, it was it was tricky. It wasn't like we just knew he was going to go up there and knock down these free throws. It just it wasn't like that, and RJ was four for six from the free throw line all game. 
So by him going up there and missing the first one, kind of, you know, and being down by two, with less than um, two seconds left or so, it was crucial, and he had to make that first one. That was the that was the real important one. So he intentionally tried to miss the second one, and actually made the second one. <laughs> now, me honestly, I want that ball in Zion's hands. Doing, I need the ball need to be in Zion's hands in those crucial moments. He's big, he's quick, he's strong. When he get to the when he get to the basket, he he's either gonna get fouled or it's a really great guarantee that he'll get an in one. He'll get an in one. And for RJ Barrett, I've been paying attention to do it. Look like he really he relies on in ones. Like he realized that he can he really think that he can, you know, jump through some people, like go through people instead of jumping over them. Um but that wasn't the case. Like I said, I want Zion with the ball. In the last possession of the game, period, point blank, and I don't care. He even going to the line because we have seen him be clutch at clutch at the free throw line. Probably not really good, you know, throughout the game at the free throw line, but in the clutch he's been really good. But in this game, he was two for five at the free throw line. So, you know, but um, R.J. Barrett um had twenty one points. He had twenty one points. He has um, six assists. Six rebounds, seven turnovers. So, but Michigan State was really well, well coached. Like, after R.J. Barrett missed the free throw, Izzle called the timeout, called another timeout, and they came up with some plays. They came up with plays, and they was able to run the clock out. Now, that that just, that for sure came from coaching. That most definitely came from coaching. And throughout the game, I was looking like, all right, is Coach K? Because they didn't, they wasn't, Duke was not making no adjustments. They were not making adjustments. It was just RJ, Zion, RJ, Zion, RJ. It just wasn't no pick and roll like that. It wasn't no, a lot of flashing. They looked really stung and confused out there. You know, so, and in some way, I just really felt like Izzo out coach Coach K. And I, I put this on my Facebook because I wanted, I wanted to really hear what the feedback that I was going to get back. And I'm not disrespecting this man. I um, respect to Coach K. But I asked, what makes Coach K a great coach? Didn't get too many <laughs> didn't get too many comments, really. I don't know if... I don't know. I don't know why I didn't get so many comments, but it got a few of them. And um, people were saying it's talent and things like that. The talent that he get on this team and because he, he plays for Duke. I mean, he coaches for Duke, so, you know, something like that. But he got outcoached by Izzo in this game. Michigan State throughout the game, um, the whole team was involved. The whole team was involved, but this young fella, um, I hope I'm saying his name right, but um, Castle Winston, he had a game of his life. He had a game of his life. He had 20 points with 10 assists. With 10 assists and three steals. So he really was having the game of his life. He did a lot of distributing. He was um, getting everybody involved on this team. So, hey, shouts out to that young fella. Um, and for how they just end the game, just being smart and, you know, just really playing hard from the beginning to the end. 
And just like how they got that fast break in the beginning, it was sort of, sort of like a fast break at the end. Davis just wanted more. Duke would not be advancing to the Final Four like we really expected. It would be Michigan State going up against Texas Tech. Texas Tech's first, first appearance to the Final Four. So that's going to be a really, really good good game. Like, I'm really, really, I'm beyond satisfied with college basketball and what happened in March Madness. Um, but now, let's talk about a little bit about Duke going forward. Duke, um, I'm glad that we was able to see these young fellas play together and, and be in these type of crucial moments. Um, like when Zion was out and a lot of people were saying that he shouldn't have came back. Um, he should go right to the draft. Hey, honestly, I, I think he did the right thing by coming back. We want to see this dude um, in these type of moments. It's, these moments are priceless and everybody's watching. Same thing with RJ Barrett. Yeah, everybody's watching. So these in, these NBA teams is that they they are they're out for, on the look for, you know who they want to lead their franchise, who they want to be the face of their franchise. Zion Williams, I'm hearing that he, it's a possibility that he might stay in school, but I really highly doubt that he'll stay in school um, due to the fact that it's a lot of opportunity out there and he got that one year under his belt. Uh, for RJ, if I'm RJ, I'm staying in college. Sorry. But he got the talent. Don't get me wrong. He got the talent. He can, he can go to... He can still be a top five player in the draft, don't like for sure. But do I think he's ready? I don't think he's ready until he develop a right hand. Um, but we'll talk more about that, you know, um, on another episode. But Michigan State is advancing to the Final Four to play against Texas Tech. Um, good job to Duke. Them got them dudes play hard throughout the season. They had their ups, they had their downs, and uh, much respect to their future. Los Angeles Lakers, former first round pick, D'Angelo Russell, who has been balling out of his mind, been having the best, playing the best basketball of his career, um, who I think should be the most improved player due to the fact that he's playing for the Brooklyn Nets we all know the Brooklyn Nets being the worst team for the past, you know, it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a minute. But he's basically over there creating a new culture. And and known his way to finally, he might get this team to the playoffs. And they haven't been there in a long time. A long time. No, but D'Angelo Russell, he recently said that, Everybody was wrong about him. Everybody was wrong about him. Now, we all know that last year, D'Angelo Russell was traded a little before the draft to the Brooklyn Nets. Him, Timothy, Miles, God was traded there. He returned of a second-round pick. And, um, you know, Magic in the front office, they did pretty good on this. They did good. That's the question. Did Magic make a mistake? Was Magic wrong? 
I don't think he was wrong. I don't think Magic was wrong at all because if you look at it, um, and I'm and I'm a guy that I'm a Laker fan, of course, diehard Laker fan, and I'm a guy that really was vouching for D'Angelo Russell. I liked the D'Angelo Russell a lot. I just had a feeling that we was going, uh, the Lakers was going to draft Lonzo Ball, and they did. And I was still to the point like, okay, we can have both of them. Um, D'Angelo Russell, he's more of a, sco- a shooter and a scorer than, you know, Lonzo was a facilitator, a real point guard type. Uh, so, but to answer that question still, I don't think Magic made a mistake because um, he got that big contract, big bad contract of Timothy Moscow off, you know, off the Lakers and in return and but yeah we lost D'Angelo Russell but at the same time we got look got Alonzo Ball uh more of a point guard that we needed in Los Angeles. We wasn't really looking for a score. Um so that's why I really think he didn't do a bad job and on top of that on top of that that second pick that the Lakers received from the Brooklyn Nets in the trade of Alonzo Ball I mean not Alonzo Ball but um D'Angelo Russell that was Kuzma. That's Kuzma right there. So it's like, it's not that bad because Kuzma is having a really good year too. If we looking at scoring, um, him and Russell, we can. It's crazy because we can actually compare the two, like because they that's what they do. They score. That's what they are. They scores. Um, but Kuzma is right there. Like for real, or like, if he not right there, he low above because we don't see Kuzma. Pfft, even had a big year too, so it's like it's re- that's why it's really easy to compare the two. Um, but like I said, the Lakers would got that fat contract off of them, and they was able to receive a second round pick and still get a point guard in the draft as, at the same time, and that was Lonzo Ball. So I don't think Magic and them was 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 you know wrong, but well, I think in what he's saying wrong, and it was a whole misunderstanding. In LA, I know they said Magic said that he wanted a leader. Okay, um, I'm not saying D'Angelo Russell is not the leader at all, um, but that team in Brooklyn they look at him because he's the only one out there balling. Of course, they're gonna show super respect to him. But the whole situation with Nick Young that's what did this with the Lakers. I think um, he was still a kid, so that kind of that showed a lot of immaturity still so that's probably why magic said he wanted a leader more of a leader out of a point guard um but i don't think i don't think the lakers organization was wrong at all and i don't think people was um talking bad about as far as his game on the court d'angelo russell because he always been pretty good so it's like it's not too much surprise. We even had myself when he got traded to the East. I said he's gonna become All Star. He became All Star. My uncle said the same thing. He became All Star. You know, so it wasn't really. It was never that problem that he couldn't score. Um, that wasn't the logic of the trade. It wasn't. It was for the fat contract. Um, Magic thought he was still immature. Of course he was. He was only 19 years old. Now we looking at two years later. Grown man. He getting the club now. <laughs> you know. Um, but that's what it was. So, nah, the Lakers weren't wrong. But who was wrong? I don't know who he's actually talking to as far as saying everybody was wrong about me. Hey, you did link that tape. You know what you did.
that wasn't wrong. That's accurate and it's facts. You know, it's factual. But um, other than that, the guy's having a hell of a year for the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. And that's what I expect. I de-load. Deloading. <laughs>